Welcome, everybody, to week one of this new series called Fact or Friction. And I'm just going to state right up front that I am no science major, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands together like this. Good. So far, you're following. Very good. And then I want you to rub them together like that, okay? Just keep rubbing. You notice they're getting warm? Not everybody's doing it. I'm not going to stop until everybody's doing it. Come on. Come on. Come on, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Okay, it's warm, isn't it? That's friction. Huh? Whoa, that's right. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I actually looked up science experiments for uh, friction, and I had this one I thought was going to be perfect, and I tried it, and it didn't work at all. And so that's what I came up with. That's as good as it's going to get today, so we're glad that you are joining us. But, you know, friction is this thing that we experience every day, and we're not really, you know, aware of, of, of what's going on around it. We can't see it, and so we just kind of just go on with life and not worry about friction. But friction is, is real, Okay. And so let's just start by the definition of what friction is. Friction is the resistance that one surface or object encounters when moving over another. And when you read that, my guess is you already know kind of where we're heading in this series. Because we experience friction in our lives. We experience friction all the time with other people. Sometimes those people actually like giving us some friction at times but we experience all the time. And so for the next four weeks, we're just going to walk through how friction affects our lives. We're going to talk about friction in our finances. We're going to talk about friction in our marriages and in, in our relationships. We're going to talk about friction in ourselves and in our faith. And today we're going to dive into friction in our families. And, and so, you know, I, I just want to be honest with you, like I said, I'm not a, a science major by any stretch of the imagination, and I am also not a family guru, you know. I, my kids are, we're empty nesters, we're, they're all out of the house, they're glad, we're glad, it's all good, and, and, so, and, and so we experience a lot of friction in our families, and, and I am no expert. I got it wrong a lot of times, and, and still get it wrong, but uh, when Barb and I got married, we actually blended two families together. And when we got married, I'm going to look at my notes because I blew this in the first service. Okay, when we got married, our kids were 5, 7, 8, 8, and 9. All right? Now, when we were started dating, they were 3, 5, 6, 6, and 7. Who in their right mind would do that? I mean, seriously. You know, but we just jumped right in. And, and, and there was times it was chaos. There was a lot of friction. And maybe you have experienced that same kind of friction. I remember us with five kids trying to get ready when they were young to, to, to end up at church on a Sunday morning, and Barb would go out on the, on the, uh, the sofa, the couch, and, and lay out all their clothes the, the night before, and so they'd come out and get them because we lived in this little tiny house with all these kids, and, and, and they would go get their clothes on, and, and, and I'd try to herd them out to the van in the morning, and, and you know, someone would be ready to go and in the van, and others would be lagging behind Brandon, and... Um, <laughs> and, and, and so we'd finally get him in the van and we'd get going and more often than not I'm driving the van to church and I'm going being so happy and looking back I will stop this van right now you know several times on the way there and and it, it was just friction and chaos and then we'd hit the church parking lot and walk into the front doors much like these and we were all smiles we were the big happy family you know how it is don't you and there's just something about families that can create a lot of friction if we're not careful with it. And, and so here's a sad reality is 
when we get stressed outside of our, you know, in our workplaces and in, in other areas of our lives, and you know, it's so easy to take out that frustration, that stress, that friction on our families because they're the closest. They're all right there. Moms, when's the last time that you just had one of those days that the stress was way up there, whether it be work or at home or you name it, and, and how did you treat your husband that night? Guys, dads, when, when we have one of those days at work where nothing happens like it's supposed to happen and, and it's just stressful and chaos, and, and how do we treat our kids when they come home and they need our attention? Kids, you're not exempt from this either. I mean, you know, you go to school and you have those times that, that you're at lunch and no one wants to sit with you or you're being bullied or you, you failed the test that you thought you were going to ace and, and you come home and it's just you're stressed and there's all that friction back there and, and you come home and then your parents want to know how your day's been and you don't even want to come out of your room, you know, and you take it out on them. It's, it's just understandable. And maybe single mothers are here and, and, and you've got a whole different kind of stress and you can't even imagine how you navigate all of that and, and you know, where do you take that whole stress and chaos out on it? And that's just kind of where we are. Because so what happens is that we want to protect ourselves when things get out of control, don't we? When things start getting out of control, the beyond our reach and, and, and things get stressful and chaotic and, 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 and there's all this friction that's building up in us, we, we just want to take care of ourselves and it's all understandable. It's just kind of a natural thing that we do. We look to take care of ourselves instead of taking care of others. And so we're going to hang out in Philippians chapter 2 if you want to get your Bibles, your U-versions out and, and want to follow along or it'll be on the screens up here. And if you are a note taker today and you love taking notes, this will be a great teaching for you because I'm going to just kind of give you four points, four bullet points that we're going to talk about how friction affects us and how we can navigate this whole thing when we start having friction in our lives. So let's just jump right in. Point number one, the friction builds that we need to be on the lookout. See, we are not designed as humans, we are not designed to, to be able to handle friction for any length of time. It's exactly the way our cars are. You know, our brakes, our brake pads, are, they stop our cars by friction. And after a while, it just starts wearing out. All that friction and heat just builds, and, and, and we have to replace them. It's the same thing in our families. If we let it go on, if we let it continue, it, it's not going to end up very well. We're going to wear out. We're going to burn out. Or maybe you buy one of those fancy knives you see in all the infomercials that say they stay sharp forever, but we all know that's not true. And we cut, and we cut, and we cut, and we cut, and there's more friction, and time goes by. All of a sudden, our ever-sharp knives aren't sharp anymore. It's exactly the same way in our families. It's exactly the same way that, that, that friction just wears on us, and, and we're going to implode if we're not care, careful. It will destroy our families. We will start isolating ourselves. The more that friction grows in our families, the farther apart we become as individuals, with our spouses, with our children. We start separating ourselves. We start doing things on our own. All of a sudden, it seems like our family, our relationships inside that family just aren't what they used to be. We seem to be on a different page. We seem that, 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 that we don't agree on very many things anymore. We have different perspectives than what we used to. And it's all due to this friction, making ourselves withdraw into ourselves, and we don't have room for anyone else. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, 
if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. What Paul is trying to tell us here is that we need to be as one, that we need to fight the resistance of pulling away from everybody else in the family. We need to, to try to come together in unity, to be one, like, like, like-minded if we can. We've got to be very careful not to isolate ourselves because that's exactly what we try to do. We kind of withdraw from everyone else when there's a lot of friction, when there's a lot of tension, when there's a lot of chaos happening around us. And we become self-focused. It's us against them. It's me against my wife. It's us against your husband. It's us against the kids. It's the kids against... And all of a sudden, all of this, this, this relationship that we're supposed to have starts breaking down. Which brings us to point number two. When we put ourselves first, everyone else becomes last. And that seems evident, but it's just something that we've got to understand and we've got to realize. When we put ourselves first, everyone else becomes last. We can't withdraw to the point. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 goes on. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others. It is so easy when we start to isolate, when we start to pull away from that family unit that, that we start looking at our own selves and, and not anybody else. And, and what the Scripture is telling us is we've got to value others above ourselves. Men, we have got to be very careful of this. This is one of our downfalls of us as, as if. if if you consider yourself the leaders of your household, which Scripture tells us that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to lead the way, way Scripture tells us is that in humility, value others above yourself. We need to lead this way. We need to live our lives this way. Does your wife understand and know that you will lay your life down for her? Do your children know that you would lay your life down for them? That's how we are supposed to live. That's how we're supposed to do. See, God gave us this this whole family structure as a support system. And we're all part of that, helping each other out. These families, we need to rally around each other no matter what you're going through. When you see someone else is dealing with this friction, with this stress, with this chaos that's in their lives, that the whole other family rallies around them. Now, you may be sitting here today and and you think, you know, my parents are gone or my parents live in another state. I don't have any other siblings, and here I am all by myself. You see, this isn't just about blood family. We say this all the time here at Crossbridge. We are a family. This is us. I don't want you to feel isolated. I don't want you to feel alone. That you are part of something that's bigger than any of us. We are family. We could sing that, couldn't we? we no, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that just came to my mind. I just went in a rabbit hole there. But this is it. This is who, who we are. We're We're family. And so I would encourage you, if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling like you're pulling yourself away, don't pull away from this body. Man, find a place to get into a small group. Find a place to serve and surround yourself with people. And let's just have the conversation and let's come around each other. And what happens with any of us, especially over this last year, is when when we're dealing with the unknown, when we don't know how things are going to turn out, we don't know what's going to happen in the next month, it's so easy to become just we're the most important person that we start forgetting about everybody else. And we start looking for ways to, to, 
to just calm our nerves and to, to soothe the pain that we're in or to soothe the, the stuff that's going on in our lives. And so it's so easy to withdraw from maybe meeting together here in, as, as a church body. Or, or, or maybe it's going to some of those old habits, some of those old addictions that we have, whether it could be alcohol or whether, whether it could be a, a porn or, 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 or all these kind of things that are just destructive. It, it soothes us for a minute, but it, it tears us down. We've got to be very, very careful about that. Point number three, use your strength to serve your family. And this is one of those things that I got wrong a lot because I thought I was serving my family through my strength when I would say things like, because I said so, you know. I, just, I didn't get into a lot of explanation, you know. I just went right to the chase. Said, hey, just do it because I want you to and I told you to, all right? We've all done that, haven't we? We need to serve through our strength, you know, and we have to realize that we all have some kind of authority over others in our family and in our positions, you know, even kids, kids, you even have authority, you may have younger siblings and and you have some authority over them and and, and so we've got to be very careful how we use that kind of authority, are we going to leverage it for the sake of others And, and you may think, you know, yeah, well, my parents, they have all the authority and they tell me what to do all the time and they're so out of touch. You know, they were born clear back in the 90s or 80s or I don't even know anymore what it is. But there they all are. And, and, and so we've got to be careful about that. Verse 5 goes on and says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in ver- the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God Something to be used to his own advantage. And I'll just be honest with you. I've read this scripture, I don't know how many times I've heard it taught on, and there was something about it this week that that just jumped out at me and hit me across the face. And I think it's because I know I've leveraged whatever I had to my advantage. Here's what it says, do not consider equality with God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus, who had all power and authority, never used it, never used his power or authority for himself. It was always about others. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And this is so hard for us to do. And Jesus sets the example for us. So instead of us yelling <laughs> like we sometimes do, how about if we just try holding each other and supporting each other? Instead of demanding, why don't we just you know, try coming alongside and helping in any way that we possibly can? It's harder, yes, but I believe that's what we're called to do. And then the fourth point is this, that love looks like sacrifice. And, and I just wonder how much friction I cause God of the things that I just want to do on my own. I want to do it my way. I want to get my results. And I don't think about what God has, what his will is for me. I wonder how much friction I actually cause him. And then to the point of when I don't get my way, when things don't go, when, I, when my prayers aren't answered the way I think they ought to be answered, and I throw myself this little pity party. Well, you know, I, I can't believe this didn't happen. And there I am, and I, I wonder how much of that is just me just being selfish and being what I want. Verse 8 goes on and says, And in being found in appearance as a man, 
he humbled himself by become obedi becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we talked about this in our Good Friday service where Jesus throws himself on the ground and he begs God, is there any other way? Knowing what I am facing, this is not what I want to do, God. Is there any other way that we can accomplish what you want to accomplish? And if there's not, I'm okay with that. I will do your will before mine. That's the example that we are supposed to have towards our families. We asked this question a few weeks ago, and we talked about it even then. and said, we're going to come back to this time and time again throughout this whole year. And it's a question that if we can live by, if we can set this as an example, I'm telling you, it will change us. And if the question is simply this, what does love require of me? And no matter where you are in your family, you, are, you love them as hard as it is sometimes. You love them. And what does love require of me? Where is it that I need to change? How am I going to leverage my power and my authority, the things that I have, my rights for my wife? How am I going to leverage my power, my authority, my rights for my husband? How am I going to leverage my power, my authority, my rights for my kids, for my family, for the people that, that, that I am doing life with? We have to give ourselves to them. We do it because that's how Jesus did it. We imitate him. That's, again, what we're called to do. Because see, Jesus had all the power and authority. He was in a room with his disciples one of the very last times. And he tells them, I have been given all authority and all power. Can you imagine that? All authority and all power over everything. Everything in the world, everything in the universe, everything goes through Jesus. That he has all power and authority over everything. He could do whatever he wants to because he has the right to do it. He's been given that by God Almighty. And the next thing he does is wash his disciples' feet. All power, all authority, all rights. And he's washing the disciples' filthy feet like a servant. And what he's telling them is, I am here for you. Whatever status, whatever right, whatever position I have, whatever authority, whatever power I have, I'm not going to use it for me. I'm going to use it for you. What does love require of me when it comes to my family? And so I want to give you another question. And I want to give you some homework to do also. So I want you to, here's what I want you to do. I want you, whether you're a, a wife, a husband, or a kid, whatever it is, I want you to Find a place to, to ask this question once a day for the next week, okay? And the question is this. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? And I'm telling you, if you ask this question every day for the next week, your family is going to start to change. You're going to see some amazing difference. The dynamic will change because what you're saying is, I am loaning you me. What can I do to help you today with whatever it is you need? Okay, Parents, I don't want you to listen for now. Kids, I'm talking to you, so if there, I know there's some kids in the room here. And so this is, this is just some, this, just from your old buddy Brad. We're going to 
be helpful here, all right? They're not listening, so you don't even have to mean this, but if you do it, I'm telling you what, it's going to change everything, all right? Here's, here's the deal. I want you to come home from school, put your book bag up, go to your parents and say, what can I do to help? And once you pick them up off the floor, okay, and, and get them breathing again, and, and, and they're, they're not even going to have an answer, so you're not going to have to do anything. It's just, it's just you know, it's, just start that. Now, if you want extra points, okay, this, this, is, the, this is it. This is how you leverage this. Uh, you wait until they get some friends in the room with them. You know, they're having somebody over for dinner, another couple, what have you. They're in the, in the kitchen or they're in the family room talking. Or you come in bounding with joy and just say, hey, mom, dad, what can I do to help? <laughs> and 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 the the couple that's they're they're visiting they're just gonna they're gonna worship your parents they're gonna say how did you raise such a child I'm telling you it changes everything it'll change everything parents what we did we do so often is that that we're, we're always teaching we're always correcting we're always looking for life lessons and all that stuff is is good but what if when our kid is having a meltdown over homework or whatever it is they've come in and, and again maybe they've been bullied at school or they failed that test or, or just stuff is going on and instead of trying to solve that what if we just ask the question what can I do to help you may find out what they've been through that day it may get down to the bottom denominator of what's really going on in their lives and there's that connection that you can make it will keep your conversations from going negative and it's hard but it says that I am here for you. Wives, here's what's going to happen if you go and ask your husband, what can I do to help? Uh, you know, we're going to say things like, no, I don't, I'm all good. You know, I'm good. I, I got this. It's all handled. Because, guys, that's what we do, isn't it? We don't need help from anybody. We can handle all this ourselves. But wives, understand, even if you don't get a response and we say nothing, but what you're communicating is that I understand the pressure you're under. I understand what you are going through. I understand, you know, that, that it's, a, it's a burden trying to provide for this family. And it's starting to break down barriers, and it will start to change. And, man, let's just be honest. This question honestly scares us. And the sad thing is our wives are afraid when we, they get at, to even ask this question. Because if you're anything like me, you know, if Barb comes up and asks me, you know, I need this kind of help, you know, I, I always try to solve everything. You know, it's, well, here's the problem, let's just solve it, everything's good, all right? And it's just not the way it works. Or we say things, well, well just don't worry about that. That is always successful, isn't it? So guys, we've got to understand that we can't push our wives away. Because it's so important. Because what happens is if they know they can't come to us and, and just be vulnerable, then they're going to find other places to be vulnerable to. With. We get excluded. They, they will stop leaning in on us. And it keeps chipping away at our relationship. That friction just keeps chipping away. And Kim's actually going to be talking about some of this in a few weeks. So just be aware and be very careful. Because they will feel the resistance in us. So why don't we ask this question more often? I think it's because of fear. It's fear that, that we may get taken advantage of. That if we go and, and say, well, how, how can I help you? And, and they give us all this list and we get nothing back in return. We have this fear that, yeah, we may have to do something that we don't really want to do. We may have to spend a little time, a little effort, a little money in something that, that maybe we just really don't want to if we're honest. And it all boils down to we're just selfish. 
which is exactly what we've talked about through this whole scripture verse. Why should we ask the questions when I think the question, what can I do to help? And Ephesians 5.21, I think, says it the best. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are supposed to come along each other in our families to build the strongest families we can by submitting to each other. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, kids to parents, parents to kids. We are supposed to live this way. Submit to each other. Why? Out of reverence of Christ because it's the example he showed us with all the power and authority he humbled himself to serve. And yes, there's times it's going to be inconvenient. There's times you're not going to get to do what you want to do. But it all comes back. I'm telling you, if we can build a stronger family, <laughs> it, it, will, it will come back to us that we, we give and we give and all of a sudden now we're getting and getting and it builds us up. We find joy in other things than what we even expected. It's what the family was designed to be. So if you want a great family, watch for friction and understand when it's building so you can head it off. Put others first. Serve, sacrifice, and ask the question, what can I do to help? Let's pray together. Father, you designed the family. And there's no greater gift. And there's so much tension. There's so much chaos. There's so much friction at times that it's very easy for us just to implode it. And so, God, I pray for every unit out here, every family that's out here, that we will start today just to honor each other, to submit to each other, to serve each other, to sacrifice for each other, to ask the question, how can I help you today? and that you would just build our family unit stronger and stronger, and people on the outside will look, and they'll understand it's all to your glory. It's all because of you that this family unit is as strong as it is. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.